You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hey, Melissa, are you ready for episode 376 of Geekiest Show Ever? I think I'm ready now that I don't have food poisoning anymore. That's a good thing. Thank you, Kevin, for uh, stepping in for me. I appreciate it. That was a good episode. Yeah, it was fun to have Kevin, and hopefully he'll be able to uh, join us a little bit more often. That would be nice. Yeah, it would be. Fresh perspective. Yeah. So we want to let the listeners know, if you're hearing any kind of white noise or background noise kind of a thing, we're sorry. (laughs) We have just been spending, oh, almost close to two hours now trying to figure out what the issue is. In fact, Tinkering. in fact, I'm I'm hearing a little bit right now. So hopefully I'm the only one hearing it and you're not. I am hearing a little bit right now. So again, Sounds I apologize. Okay yeah, I apologize for that. If listeners do hear that. If not, then Elise is hearing things. Yeah, <laughs> that could very well be too. But um, as I believe I mentioned in the last episode with Kevin, I upgraded to Audio Hijack 4. And I have had nothing but problems. And what are you recording with now? Did you go back to three or are you doing nope, some No, I am still using on four. We've got okay. to figure out what the problem is. And doing okay. a little trial and error and trying to figure things out, we think the biggest issue was that my headphones were plugged into my microphone. Mm-hmm. So we And mine un- still are. Yep. So I unplugged it and now the mic the headphones are plugged directly into the computer. And that we thought solved the problem, but I am hearing on and off some of that white noise. So some kind of it might be some kind of bleed through. So if it still keeps happening, what I can try is to unplug my headphones and plug mine into my computer and see if that makes any difference. Yeah, so we're not really sure what the problem is. You know, there's there's all these new blocks in Audio Hijack, which is really cool that are really good. Uh, One of them is volume, which I know they had in the previous version. And right now I am hearing it like crazy in my head. Really? Yes. You're hearing your, your own voice? Or no, hearing I'm hearing noise? the noise. It sounds like a fan going really, really loud. And yeah. then it stops and then it comes back and then it stops. So I'm and really hear ho- it. Yeah, I'm really hoping that I'm the only one that hears it. And again, apologies, listeners, if you do hear it. Um, so we just played with some of the different blocks, adjusted different settings. So... What do we end up doing with the volume? So you, lower you the volume. Others? They have a block that you can increase volume, mm-hmm. and they that that's also something really good. Uh, if you have audio hijack and you are listening maybe to a concert online, or you're listening to even you're watching Netflix, and you can't hear it very well, you can't hear the dialogue very well. You can run that the audio through audio hijack and increase the volume. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so that's one of the nice things that you yeah, can use we, it for. We do try to go for volume when it comes to our recording process. We we try to make it so that the listeners can hear us really well because I know that that's always. I don't know you you and I have said you know we have our own listening styles when it comes to podcasts, and that's always been kind of an issue. Like it's too soft. I need to be able to turn it up and hear it over the road noise when I'm driving or doing stuff in the kitchen. I'd rather have it louder and be able to turn it down right. than to not be able to turn it up at all. So yeah, that's it's easier kind of to lower. Yeah. yeah, it's easier for the listener to lower the volume than it is to increase the volume. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so we'd rather we, make it too low. So we're, yeah. we're, trying, we're trying to do a good job for the listener. So, yeah. so we're trying, but we, we are trying. Go as planned. 
So, so we were tinkering with Audio Hijack. Um, with me with a new setup, I've decided to try for this episode. This is so. This is my first recording on my new MacBook Pro since we talked last last time. I was recording it from my older one, and I've decided to take the plunge. So mostly, I would say it's probably about ninety percent setup. Oh, I did end up trying um, Migration Assistant. And have you ever, is that how you've done it with, with new computers? Do you usually use Migration Assistant? Because normally yeah. I avoid that. Normally, and that's what I started to do with this. I guess I should have just made up my mind in the beginning and I didn't. And that was a learning process. But I like to set it up brand new and then only just install what I need as I need it. But that was proving to be kind of tedious. So then one day I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to try Migration Assistant. Like I hadn't done it in a long, long time. And the the reason why I usually avoid it is because I don't want to inherit any old cruft that might come over. I don't want any old stuff, like any old sitting, settings that might have caused a problem in the past. I just don't want to inherit any of that stuff. So this time I turned it on and I just selected like applications because that was what was holding me back. I kept running into situations where I was like, oh, I need that. I need that software. And I really didn't want to I could have, <laughs> I could have like a cave person gone and, you know, downloaded it and reinstalled it. And that's what I had been doing. But then it, like I said, it got just tedious. So I used Migration Assistant to copy that stuff over. It ended up creating another user on my on my new laptop, which I didn't really want. So then I had to kind of like pick and choose stuff. So anyway, um, it's it's working out. I'm really, really happy with it. I love this this keyboard, even though, speaking of keyboards, I wanted to mention that I still am... When I when I use my laptop as a laptop, you know, out on my lap, on the couch, I mean, that's been just great. I love being able to just cuddle up with it and, and type on it and not have to worry about the other problems that I was having with my old aging laptop. But still, when I sit at my workstation in my in my den, in my office, uh, you know, at my desk and everything, I am still using one of these uh, wireless keyboard. I'm holding this up to Elisa. Have you ever, you said you've never used one of these um, wireless ones, but it's it's the old no. silver battery operated ones. So pro tip, I just wanted to mention, and I'm sorry if I've mentioned this before, but I just think this is so cool. What I do is I keep a dime taped to the back of it. So like when we sat down to record, I got a notice that my battery level was low. And I know I'm using batteries. I probably should just bite it and just... <laughs> upgrade keyboards or something but this is what I'm using for now because this is what works and I like this keyboard it feels good on my fingers it's the one I've been using for years so I kind of stick with it so I'm still using batteries but the pro pro tip is to keep a dime if you have one of these keep it taped to the back of it because so many times I ended up wasting time looking for something to use to unscrew the little battery cap on the side so I just wanted to mention that that I that's one of my favorite tips if you still have a battery operated keyboard and it needs a coin or something to open it, just just tape it to the bottom. Um, okay, so we talked about our audio hijack experimentations. And so so what I wanted to tell the listeners is what I'm doing right now is I'm using QuickTime Player to record my end of things. So if there is some kind of buzz or anything, you know, let us know if you hear that. Or if you end up hearing it on the playback, then then we'll kind of narrow it down. It might be something on my end. So we're still trying to work through that. So that's kind of the experiment that we're that we're doing for right now. And then the next thing that we were tinkering around with, and that's something that we want to explore in future, future topics, future episodes is Fitness Plus. So I, I, you may remember, I have mentioned that I finally bit it, I finally pressed the button and I upgraded to the Apple One plan because we have a family of five, and it just made more sense to do that. 
but I still haven't done a fitness plus workout and I feel kind of guilty. <laughs> so I thought maybe to get around that, maybe I'll, uh, I'll say, hey, Lisa, do you want to uh, do a workout together sometime? Maybe get me off my butt. And she so, wants to do a dance workout. And like, I don't, no one needs to see that. You know, nobody, <laughs> needs, nobody needs to see that. You know, they're going to the left. I'm going to the right, you know. <laughs> Well, like like we discovered in our tinkering round, though, we don't have to look at each other. We can just agree to put our little picture and pictures off to the side, just like swipe it off to the side. Like, no, don't look at me. Don't look at me. I'm not. <laughs> Thankfully, Elise and I are friends. So like I come on here with no makeup on and, you know, <laughs> it's not a problem. But we, we wanted to try to figure that out and see how that would work uh, to share a workout with, with a friend. And oh, Bob, if you're listening, no, I don't want to do a workout with you. <laughs> Because he's going to ask me, I know. No. All right. Maybe you can convince me to do like something mindfulness wise. Maybe we'll see. But as we just uh, we just said, we, we don't want to be seen during our workouts of, of any kind. <laughs> but what we would like to have feedback from the listeners is, have you tried this feature? Have you done a share play workout with a friend, a friend that you trust to see you in your sweats? Uh, and what workout did you do? That would be my, my question to the listeners. Have you have you done a share play workout? Which workout did you do? Did you like it? Did it work out? Or is there a shared workout that you can recommend that we try? And if we try it, we'll tell you about it on a future episode. So, And do you send inspiration to your partner? Yeah, like kudos. You know, do you, uh, if you're laying on the floor doing push-ups or sit-ups, do you go, come on, on, Melissa, come on, we only have three more to go and that section's over. Do you do that? Or do you just say, I don't care about her. I'm trying to get myself through this. (laughs) Like, I'm just trying not to die, Elisa. Yeah. I'm just trying not to die. (laughs) That's a goal to aspire to. Right, right. So so we we tinkered around with that and that looked very interesting. Uh, So I still have some questions about it. Our, Our two big caveats, though, is like some features that we feel like it's missing that would make it more enjoyable. And and this is interesting because like I said, I, I'm guilty as charged. I haven't dug into it yet and actually tried some workouts. And I'm kind of bummed to find out that there's no playlist feature. Now, again, listeners, if we're missing something, let us know because we didn't kind of see like, I noticed that there were a lot of crossover features from Apple Music or say Apple TV Plus even, where it will put a little check mark next to the workouts that you've done. What mm-hmm. I would like to see there is if, like, because I'm a type of person, like, Elisa, you said you just, you like to try something new each time. I'm the type of person that I find one restaurant I go to and I kind of order the same dish or maybe like the same one of like three dishes that I rotate. Because when I find something that I like, I stick to it. So yeah. I would probably. I do the same. I would probably do that thing where like, oh, I like this workout. I could do that. I didn't die. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll probably do the same workout, you know, over and over again. I think it would be neat if there are certain workouts that you prefer that it would give you like a, a count as to how many times you've done that workout. Similar to like when you're listening to music, it lets you know how many times you've played that song, you know, like so that you could kind of like filter through like that should be a filter, you know, most uh, times that you've worked out to you've worked out to this this workout, you know, this many times, maybe it's time to move on, maybe it's time to try something new, or you know, maybe this is just your go to this is what gets you motivated enough to stick with it. I don't know. But I would like to see a, a workout count next to that. So that's a feature that I would, I would like to see. And then the biggest feature, like I said, is I would really like to see a playlist feature. So if you have figured out a way to put your workouts into a playlist, I would really like to know, we would both really like to know. Yeah. So meaning 
if you're not sure what she means by that, meaning if you wanted to start out doing, say, 10 minutes of strength training, and then you wanted to do 10 minutes of yoga, and then you wanted to do maybe 10 minutes of core, followed by five minutes of cool down, just one, two, three, four, right in a row. One goes to the next, to the next, to the I next. I love that. Right now, to my knowledge, you have to pick your first one, finish it, now pick your second one, then pick your third one, and it takes that much longer. It'd be nice if you could just go smoothly from one to the next. Even if you had to stop just for a second to hit done on the first one, and then it would know, okay, here's your countdown, three, two, one, go, now we're into the next group. Yeah. Um, the only way we could, like the closest we could get to it is if you tap add, what is it called? Add to my library? Add to I library, think. yeah. So that's like another crossover like with music music plus like service you can add those songs to your library it doesn't necessarily mean so there is an option to also then download it but those are two separate things so correct you can add the workout or you know in the case of music the song to your library which is then you know probably all attached to your apple id and everything and then if you want to alter in addition to you can download it so then you know you can play it offline if you're traveling or something say you're going on a trip and you want those specific workouts and you're not going to have an internet connection or you want to save on a data plan or whatever um, then you can have it downloaded to your device but the closest thing that we could get to something that resembled a playlist was to put it in the library but then you can't like really adjust the order. Yeah, the you can't move them up and down yeah. to say, well, these are the three that I want to do. So I'm going to put them at my top three. The library is loaded in order of when you hit the add to my library. So the ones that you add today are at the top. The ones that you added two weeks ago are at the bottom. Yeah. So the only thing I can think of that I might try to tinker with as an experiment is, um, I don't know if you're familiar with a bookmarking service called Pocket. Mm -hmm. So it's it's an app and it's a bookmarking service. You can save, you know, clips that you found on the web and articles and things. I, I don't use it as much because I, I really like that feature in Safari where I can add it to my reading list. So it's kind of a, a duplicate kind of service, but you can, in Pocket, you can tag things. So what I might try to do is make a workout tag or, you know, maybe I'll call it core or yoga or, you know, something like that and make a tag. And then in the share sheet for workouts, maybe I'll try adding it to that and then seeing if I can somehow organize it in such a way that it resembles a playlist. So that, that'll be a future, uh, future experiment for another episode. So stay tuned for that. <laughs> Anything else you wanted to say about Fitness Plus? That I need to use it more often. I just yeah. paid it. Yeah, I just paid it last week. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm good for another year. But well, yeah. that's why I thought maybe if we geeked out about it, maybe we might do it. <laughs> I mean, that might be a good theory. way, you know, just to hold accountability to say, okay, at, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 9am, we are going to jump on and yeah. we are going to do this. Yeah. Like remember, yeah. Lisa, we told the listeners that we would like tinker with us and get back to them. So yeah. <laughs> it's been it's been six months, you know, <laughs> trying try to trying to hack our, our workouts here. Yeah, because so I, def I definitely fun. need it because I haven't gone to the gym since just before COVID. Mm -hmm. And I, I never went back. And I really and I, have, I have high cholesterol. So and I, I really should. And I went to the doctor last week. And I kind of said, Do you really have to put me on the scale? And they said, mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm like, listen to me. 
Do Wait, you really have on. to put Let me on the scale? Off. Let me take my watch off. <laughs> Let me take my AirPods out. <laughs> well, I made I made her measure me twice because when yeah. they also did my height, and I said, Uh-oh. no, I'm not, I'm not that short. So Uh-oh. then she did it again, and she goes, okay, I'll give you another half inch. I'm like, I'm not that short. <laughs> so, what, like, that's an indicator oh no, of an upcoming bone density test. Do you have to do that yet? I get them every other year because oh. I have osteo, osteo um, osteopenia, right? Yeah. Osteo. Yeah, he goes. Yeah. yeah, the doctor. He's like a great guy. He goes. You're going to get osteoporosis one day. I'm like, thank you very much. <laughs> so, yeah, just heads yeah. up there. Yeah, yeah. I go yeah, every other that's year. In my future too. If, if any indication looks that how my grandmother shrunk so much. I mean, she was short to begin with, but yeah, I know that's in my future. I already have uh, osteoarthritis, so well, I do. I do some weightlifting and I take calcium twice a day, so I'm doing something. That's good. Yeah, those exercises are going to help us too. Yeah, because yeah, my kids are. It's it's painfully uh, obvious now that my boys are getting taller, and they're just oh, they love rubbing it in. And then I say, yeah, well, can you go get that for me? Yeah, <laughs> well, complaining about it. I always let my kids know because I'm the only woman in the house, just like you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, your guys are the princes, but I'm the queen. Uh huh. <laughs> so true. So true. <laughs> Uh, queen of the uh, queen of the thermostat. That's that's our next segue into the next topic I wanted to bring up. So this is a, a field notes section. So uh, it's just interesting. I guess it's just on my radar because I've done it a couple of times now, and I want to do to tinker with this some more in the future. And that is smart thermostats. So again, I'll put it out to the listeners if you have any recommendations. Uh, at our old house, we had a smart thermostat, and it wasn't like super geeky. I mean, it was really just a matter of, um, I think you had to look up the MAC address and you had to sign up for an account. I want to say it was through Honeywell. Oh, remember I said I couldn't remember the brand? That's what it was. It was Honeywell. So Honeywell okay. makes smart thermostats. They make uh, units and things. And so at our old house, we I had set this up and it was great. You know, you can control the thermostat from an app on your iPhone. It even would give you re- reports about your energy. Like once a month, it would email you. Do you have any of this stuff in your house? Do you have a smart thermostat yet? No, my husband wants nothing to do with any of that. Uh-huh. We just have yeah. the regular little dial because we don't yeah. have air conditioning. We just have heat. Okay. So we just have the little dial. We lower it. We increase it. We lower it. We increase it. Oh, That's it. Wow. And, and it's like a rotary new- phone. <laughs> and he won't. He's not interested in smart lock but what about your new house no 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 not gonna go there and and certain things isn't it gonna come with one it's not gonna no 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 i would like to have a smart lock Uh, he i mean maybe but what about a thermostat it won't just by i don't know what the thermostat no probably not a smart one i think well it might there's a possibility i'm not we're not there yet in the process but i don't think so and unfortunately because we are well unfortunately because we are building we Mm -hmm. can't bring in anything from the outside so i can't go to lowe's or amazon and say i want you to install this thermostat instead of that thermostat they're going to say nope it but has you could, to. You could maybe. Oh, so because it might not be compatible with the unit. Or no, because they have certain vendors that they work with. Mm-hmm. But so, you might be able to change it after the fact. Like after, after the fact, yes, but not yeah. not right away. But again, we're not at that point yet, so mm-hmm. I don't know what they're going to give me yet. I mean, we're like mm-hmm. months, months, and months away. Well, but know with I my live husband, yeah. But with my husband and being a technophobe, basically, mm-hmm. yes, certain things with him. It's not worth the argument. Like, I, I think yeah. a smart lock would be good. But I think with him, even though if I tell him you can still use a key, yeah, he's still going to freak out about it. And it's not worth arguing. That The smart lock makes me a little 
a little queasy thinking about that. But but yeah, I get it. Like if there was like a backup that you could still use a key, then I'd be probably all for it. It's just one extra thing around here. Like we've already done like the cameras and stuff, but we use those uh, quick set locks. And one time one of the locks just came. I don't know if it was broken in the manufacturing process, but we couldn't, uh, we had to take it off the door because it, it just did not work out that way and get a new one. But they were good about replacing it. So that's as far as we've gotten with, with techiness as far as the locks go. But uh, thermostat, so, you know, I live in the desert and I'm also premenopausal. So <laughs> changing the temperature is kind of important to me lately. <laughs> so ever since we moved into this house, I have been missing our, our old smart thermostat at the last place. Now, what was interesting about that thermostat is, and it's a good thing that I remembered to do this. In fact, I actually didn't complete the process and had to complete the process later is that thermostat you have to register there's a registration process and I thought I was being good when we moved out of the house by I first disconnected it because I thought to myself well, what happens if the new owners come in and they set up their router but the thermostat has already been paired to our router and it's gone you know what I mean so mm -hmm. I went in yeah. and I thought I, I reset it. I think I like put it back to manufacturer settings. Like I just totally reset it, you know, disconnected it from the router, like unpaired it and all that kind of stuff. And I thought I thought I was being good just by doing that. But a couple months later, maybe like a, not a couple months, maybe like a month later, a couple weeks or so, it dawned on me because I was still getting reports about thermostat. And I thought, why am I still getting reports? So I wrote to customer support and they, they got back to me. Here you have to deregister the thermostat from the account so that the next owners can register it with their account. Now, I don't know, honestly, I don't know like what would have happened if I had just like never even thought of it and, and didn't have a care in the world. And it, it makes me wonder how serious this is or how not serious this is because I can't imagine, I mean, people are, you know, renting out places, I don't know, Airbnbs, you know, who knows what's going on in the thermostat world as far as like registering these devices. And then what happens when people move on, and they don't deregister the device, like, I really kind of wonder what, what goes on in that scenario. Because does that mean that for like a month, like the new owners couldn't register it? I mean, I'm guessing they might not have even known. I mean, I did leave, I did leave behind the since it was recent, a recent purchase, I had left behind all of the documentation in the little beautiful little binder that I put together for them. Uh, so I'm hoping that they, you know, looked at that. and I'm hoping that they got it <laughs> set up on their own. But I kept thinking like, well, what if I, you know, made problems for them by not deregistering? So anyway, I deregistered it. I just thought that that was interesting that that was part of the process that they didn't very clearly explain like, hey, if you're going to move or sell your house or, or sell this unit or whatever, you need to deregister it. Like, I wonder if it's as big of a problem as I'm thinking that it might be. In the information that you left them about the thermostat, does it say in the documentation to register it to get reports? It does. So I'm hoping that they would be able to just register it and that it wouldn't be somehow still tied to our email address. Because I would think that if it wasn't working, yeah. I would probably call my real estate agent to try to get a hold of your real estate agent to right. get hold of you right? to say, could you please help me with this? Like something but is that, wrong. And that might trigger something in you. I mean, I yeah. don't know, you know. Yeah, like that, that begs the question. 
I think that gone are the days where <laughs> we we had such simple lives before <laughs> with all of yeah. these. Here's smart the key. Devices. Yeah, here's the key. Yeah, it, makes, it makes me wonder what is going to happen in real estate as as these smart devices get put into these homes, and then what happens when it needs to be transferred and the and the person you know forgets or something. I mean, there's got to be some kind of override in play there that the that the customer service can override and deregister you know, for the person, but what a headache, you know what I mean? Like what a hassle to put somebody else through. Yeah. I mean, the same thing with the lock. I mean, I've, have not looked at all into a smart lock. I have absolutely no idea that if I went out and bought one tomorrow, would the company be able to override if I somehow forgot my four digit code or my key broke or whatever, would they be able to send, yeah, would they be able to send, you know, shoot a signal over like your cable company can shoot a signal over Mm -hmm. to your box? Mm -hmm. Can the smart lock company do that? Or it's like, sorry, you know, you made a passcode of 1234, you forgot 1234, there's nothing I can do for you, you might have to uninstall it from your door. I mean, you would think, you would think, like we would think as geeks, that that has got to be in place for a product to be successful, that there has to be some kind of an, a manual override of some sort. But then again, stranger things have happened, you know? Yeah, like, I have no so, idea. So just to, so I was going to say, like, you know, these are my field notes, like being out in the field and going and working with people at their homes. I get some very interesting requests for things that I need to help them with. So lately, I've been working with um, some women that their their husbands have since passed away, and you know this is years ago, and some some recently. But these are typically things that like you know the husband might have set up, and now was never, you know, they just set it up like okay, honey, you know, here's the thermostat it's set up, and then when the husband passes on, then the wife doesn't know how it got set up. So um, this was another Honeywell thermostat that I set up. Where, where we had to, again, deregister it. So thankfully, I had had a little bit of that experience under my belt already from doing my own thermostat. Now, we don't have a smart thermostat in this new house yet. It just hasn't been like a, a high priority. It is starting to get annoying because, like I said, I'm premenopausal and I do find myself like adjusting the temperature and we're about to head in to the triple digit season soon, which is like your polar vortex, so only opposite for us. Uh, so it's going to probably get to be irritating and it's probably going to be on my mind more, but it's even more so on my mind since I've been out in the field working with this stuff. So having had that prior experience, I sort of kind of knew like there was a pairing process that needed to happen and also a registration process. So we, we ended up having to do was to deregister the device from her for her husband's account and re-register it in in her account. So that worked out fine. It it was kind of a lengthy process because it was like, okay, here are the steps. It kind of walked you through it and told you, you know, what to do. And it kind of also told you what to expect. You know, we looked up the the instructions on the website and kind of followed them. They gave us two choices. You can either do it this way, which we tried, it didn't work, or you could do it this way. And the second option worked. But there were several steps of like registration process and then pairing the thermostat to your Wi-Fi. So you have to get it connected to the internet first, right? So it has to be, it has to, um, it also has to broadcast its own signal that you then have to connect your phone to. So it actually broadcasts its own Wi-Fi signal. So instead of you connecting to say, at least this, you know, Wi-Fi, it would say like Honeywell 123 or something like that. You have to connect your phone to the Wi-Fi that it's broadcasting mm-hmm. for it to yeah. show you a code that you then have to enter. And so all of that takes kind of like time and it's all a little bit of like trial and error. 
So it wasn't like super easy, but it, but we, I got the job done. Like it, it got done. She was very happy. She was able to control it remotely because if she wants to leave now, she can do it remotely from, from wherever she is. So then I go on to another house call and same kind of request, like, oh, my thermostat, you know, I used to be able to control it from my phone. It doesn't work anymore. And I thought, okay, you know, going through my troubleshooting steps, like let's check the network, that sort of thing. Well, this was a Lennox unit. So this is just kind of a buyer beware. I I was very, long story short, the TLDR is I was incredibly disappointed with the Lennox brand because this one failed so terribly that she had to actually end up calling someone out. They were scheduled to come out. She had to call them out to come out earlier. And it wasn't anything that I did. Like I was kind of like, oh my God, did I break it? Like, no, I didn't break it. Like this was a problem that already existed before I even touched it. Like it was already borked. So what ended up happening was, this unit, it's one of these things where, you know, they're all on the wall, they're, they're, they're mounted to the wall, but it looks like a little miniature iPad. The Honeywell okay. unit that I worked with was more of like a, just kind of a, it was a touch screen, you had to touch and it told you, you know, hold your finger down for three seconds, you know, it, it like I said, it walked you through the process, and it told you what to expect, like what the next step was going to be. So I was happy with that user experience. But when it came to this Linux unit, and I'm going to guess it was probably about five or six years old, which, you know, in technology terms is, is aging, right, for especially for a thermostat, they probably come out with them, you know, so quickly nowadays. And um, this was more of like an, a miniature smartphone, like a smartphone or an iPad is what it kind of resembled. The interface was kind of clunky because it was very small. It was very hard on the eyes to try to see and like put your finger and tap and try to enter things. And the problem was that it was just no longer connected to the network at all. Like it just wasn't responding. There's something with Linux that's called Smart Hub. And so it, it had a message on there that it wasn't connected to the network and it wasn't um it wasn't connected to the smart hub or whatever. And I just thought, well, that's not right. So I went through the process of like troubleshooting, trying to get it connected to her router, like she knew her password and all that kind of stuff. And it ended up like, for lack of a better term, it seized up. It just it just got to this point where it got this message that said something about it not being connected to the smart hub. And it wouldn't let you go any further. It wouldn't let you reboot it. Like it would try to reboot itself so you could tell that it was going through some kind of like a self-test process where there was definitely a problem that was occurring on the server side of things. Like it lost its connection, not just to her internet connection, but to its own server that it was maybe phoning home to. So I just thought it was a major fail. What ended up happening was, um, and she she told me what happened was the service technician had to come out and actually... Um, I guess reboot it at the breaker box, like had to turn the whole hmm. breaker off. I mean, and thank goodness we're doing this now while it's still double digits, because if this had happened, I mean, I would be livid. I would be livid if it was triple digits and my house started heating up. So thankfully, we, you know, we caught it early on and she was very grateful, you know, thank me for helping her with it and basically getting that technician to come out and service it. And I said, no, you got to call him and, you know, and come out to this. So I took pictures of the error screen and we emailed them to the, te the technician. And that only, you know, hopefully that facilitated the process so that he could come out and know, okay, like he probably knew what he had to do that he had to switch it off at the breaker. That wasn't something that that me in my position, like I was not willing to do that. Like, you know, I could no. have said, well, let's turn it off and turn it back on again. But no, that is, I am not an electrician. <laughs> That's where I draw the line. Like, yeah, no, this has to be escalated up to a service technician. And I would end up frying the stuff. entire house. So right, we, don't, right, so. we don't we don't need that. Yeah. Like I deal with like a user interface. So like I had set it up for myself. I'd set it up for friends, family, 
and and another previous client. So I had some experience. It wasn't like I just didn't know what I was doing, but this was definitely a problem. And and it was proved by the technician that came out. It was definitely a problem with the unit itself. So that is a, a long-winded way of saying when you start looking into, you or listeners or anybody, myself included, when we start looking into a smart thermostat, that would be a big question that I would have is, is there some kind of proprietary server that this needs to connect to? And what happens? Is there an override? What happens when it loses the signal? Because it's not a matter of if, but when that may occur. You know, there could have been any number of things. It could have been an outage at the internet service provider, right? That can, can you know, make your ability to control your thermostat uh, loss cause, right? But this was like, even further down the chain, this was a loss of connection service with the phone home server, you know? So that's something that really kind of irritates me in thinking that you mean to tell me that there's no manual way of operating this this thermostat, if it loses connection to its home server, you can't control your temperature at all. Yeah. So, you know, and I don't even know, like, I'll have to ask her if is, is and she may not know, but I'll, I'll try to find out. But is this something that the homeowner would know to do? Or, you know, is this something like the, the technicians say, if this happens again, go to the breaker, turn it off, and then turn it back on again, and then it'll allow you to bypass that, that screen. Because I just think it's a terrible design if it puts up this, this, this message that then you can't bypass and you can't re-troubleshoot it from trying to reconnect it to the server without having to just power the whole thing off at the breaker box. Yeah. I just think that's a terrible design. And you know not I mean? having a manual override, Yeah, y- no. you can't do that. You can't. Like, so what, it if, like what if the power goes cautious. out in the house? You know, if the power goes out in the house, you still need to be able to increase and decrease your your heat or your air conditioning. Yeah, all that stuff's electronic now. I mean, ours is all completely electronic. So if I, if we lost power to the house, we would not have heat. We would not have... Uh, oh, see, ours you know, is gas. Yeah, yeah, ours is see, gas. So that's a different... Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I guess it depends on whether it's a gas package, if it's an electronic package. Ours had been a gas package and it got converted to electronic for whatever reason. So... You know, it has its benefits, its pros and its cons, but that's a big con if it's an electronic digital smart thermostat that gets completely like I can understand power going off to the house. That's you're just not going to get anything. But this was still power still running to the house. The power is still running to the unit. You know, air was still coming out of the vents. It was still cooling the house, but you couldn't control the temperature. You could not access the thermostat at all because it was a complete touchscreen no buttons to press, no nothing. And I just thought to myself, okay, noted, I am not going to get a unit like that. So that's just something that was just kind of like a little bit of a PSA, a little bit of a caveat, like something to think about. If you're looking into these smart thermostats, think through the scenario, what happens if it doesn't phone home to the server that it's meant to, to speak to in order to be able to show you what temperature it is. I mean, it's, it's one thing's like, okay, big deal, you can't control it from your phone. I would accept that risk, but not being able to control it at the panel at all. No, that is not something I'd be willing to live with. So it's just something to consider. So that was my uh, notes from the field. (laughs) Um, Anything else that you want to talk about with that is now that I've totally scared you off of smart thermostats for good. Not yet, because like I said, we're not at that point in the house building yet. And when we know if it's going to be gas or electric or it's gas. Oh, yeah, it's gas. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Everything is so, gas. Yeah, so that might change your, your options 
altogether. Like I said, with the husband, I'll probably get the hairy eyeball and... <laughs> And there's just yeah. certain there's certain things with him that just aren't worth arguing over, right. and that, that would be one of them. Cohabit- that would be one of them. Thing. There's certain things that are like non-negotiable, right? And that's not one of them. Yeah. Okay. Well, that kind of makes your decision for you then, huh? Yeah. Like I'll bring it up, and then he'll look at me, and then I'll say, "Okay." Uh-huh. <laughs> uh huh. Oh. All right. Well, so our next and final topic uh, is another, well, this, I mean, most everything is always a PSA. We like to educate our, our listeners on things that are happening. So uh, this next topic is about a Facebook hack, or, or I guess that's what you would call it in a way, but it's a very delicate topic because um, it has to do with death and mourning and grieving and things like that. So just, you know, heads up. It's I don't want to get like too sad about it, but it's I'm it's something I'm very concerned about. So uh, I'll tell you a little bit of a story. And I'm, again, I'm going to be try to be very delicate because this happened to somebody that I know and care about. And it could happen to you. It could happen to somebody that you know. Um, a lot of us have Facebook accounts. And um, I can hear Kevin screaming. Kevin, take a deep breath. <laughs> It'll be like, this is why I don't have Facebook. And, you know, he's got a great point. This is, um, I know people who have chosen to leave Facebook. And hey, kudos to you. Um there's a lot of times where I would like to get rid of Facebook, but it's a lot of my family is still there and I still help a lot of people with it. And I, I do have very conflicting feelings about it. And this kind of made that just even more conflicting. It's another thing that you have to manage. If you decide to get a Facebook account, these are things you should be aware of. If you decide to leave Facebook, these are things you should be aware of. If you have a Facebook account and you decide that you're, it's just not worth it anymore and you don't feel like checking in anymore, I have news for you. You should really consider just closing out your account, like deactivating it if you're, if you're truly not going to use it. If you're going to keep it around and just kind of check on people, this is something you need to maintain. This is like a digital gardening thing that you really should be thinking about because here's what happened. So I'll see if I can try to condense this as best I can. And I know I'm not very good at that. <laughs> Um, uh, uh, someone I know, their, their beloved passed away and they were very grief stricken and asked me for help in trying to get a, a, a memorial post put on their deceased person's page. And they didn't know quite how to go about it. Or even if they did, they were grief stricken and that's totally understandable. Like you can't, you know, be thinking about that kind of stuff. So I helped them and I posted it to my page on their behalf. And it got me thinking about it. Like what? really is the protocol. Like, you know, let's just pretend for a moment that you have a Facebook page, your husband has a Facebook page. If or, you know, even if a family member, if somebody had just anybody, somebody had passed away, what would you do? What would be the next steps? I mean, you know, traditionally speaking, and we talked about this in a previous episode, when my grandmother had passed away, we talked about how we now grieve in the digital age and the kinds of protocols that we now have to think about following when it comes to sharing things on social media when it comes to somebody passing away you know you don't want to you know we talked about it before like you don't want to just like broadcast it right away but here's the thing so in this instance this person um it was put in the in the papers like in the obituary section and they had wanted to like it was their choice and and i totally respect this choice they actually wanted to post it on Facebook first before it went to the papers because they had people that they wanted to notify 
who didn't, you know, read the paper or whatever their reasons were, it doesn't matter. They had their reasons why they wanted to go to Facebook first, because they wanted to say what they wanted to say. Because as you know, when you when you post it in the newspaper, you're limited as to how many characters you can use, you know, what you can say there, that sort of thing. It's it's so expensive, it's so cost prohibitive to put it in the papers now because of things like Facebook, because of, you know, social media has kind of, you know, not put the newspapers out of business, but it's made them have to get creative. And so I think what has happened, and I don't know, maybe it just always costed a lot of money. I don't know. But all I know is that it is incredibly like several hundred dollars just to post an obituary. And the price goes up if you add a picture, if you <laughs> add, you know, color, if you add, you know, more words or more characters and that sort of thing. So let's just say, I mean, the problem is, is that it's very, you're limited based on space. So this person wanted to post something on Facebook in their own words and wanted to say it their way. But because of time constraints and things like that, the post had to go live in the newspaper. And so they were kind of frustrated, like, I want to put this on Facebook, but I don't know how. So they came to me and asked for help. And I, you know, was honored to help them with that. But it just kind of begs the question is like, what is the protocol? Like, what would you do? How would you go about it? Would you log into the deceased person's page and post it on their page? Is that is that um, is that the right thing to do? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, these are the questions that I have, but I don't necessarily have the answers to. All I know is what I was able to do. And then there was like these these big like um, questions about do you make it public because we don't share the same friend list completely. So yes, I had to make it public, just like the newspaper post is public. Anybody can go and look that up. So I had to make it public on my page, even though it's, I don't know, is it a private matter? Is it a public matter? You know what I mean? The grieving should be able to be private. So it was just kind of like messy the way that you have to think about these things. Like, what is the best way to do it? You had to make it public because if you made it private, it's only your friends who are going to see it and not the loved ones. Right. And then how do you explain that to a person who's grieving where you want to protect their privacy, you want to protect them during their time of grief? Um, You know, anybody knows that anybody during their time of grieving, they're very vulnerable, they're very emotional, this is all to be expected, this is all normal, um, appropriate behavior. And, you know, your emotions run high, and then you really don't want to have to add all these extra complexities to it. You know, you just you don't want to, you don't want to burden somebody while they're grieving. You know what I mean? So I tried to, I tried to make it as simple as possible. They were very, very happy with with everything that transpired. But there were a few things that I will say are things to be aware of. And that's, that's why I go back to this PSA about if you have a Facebook account, it is your duty, it is your responsibility to maintain that account. That means logging into it regularly. That means if you decide that you're not going to use it, I think there's levels like you can, um, I think you can pause it. And you can make it so that it's not like accessible, like people can't go and post on your page. But it doesn't mean that you deleted your account. I think you can deactivate it. Deactivate it. Yeah, deactivate Mm -hmm. it just means that when they come when they look for you, they're going to find you, but it's going to say this account has been deactivated or something like that. But, right. And it says something to the effect of you don't have to unfollow them because they're still following you. It's something to that, you know, something to, to that wording as opposed to completely saying goodbye, good luck, I'm out of here. Right. And no, nobody can find you when they look for you. So my point is that, you know, everybody who has an account owes it to everybody else to remain responsible for that account because here's what happened. So the person passed away, their Facebook account is still active. 
the bereaved person is on Facebook, they're, you know, reading condolences and things like that. And they're reading them on both pages. They're reading them on their own page. They're reading them on their deceased family members page. And people are writing condolences and they're they're making comments. And what happened, this was like, really just crude and scary. And, you know, really just unfair. Someone has an account on Facebook. It's a person that is just a, an acquaintance between them and their deceased spouse. This person's account is still active. You know, I went to their page to to look at this. They don't use Facebook very often, so you can tell what happened. Their account got hacked. And so what happened is it's not that person posting. It's the hacker, the scam artist who's posting using their account and they're going into the bereavement comments and for every person that posts a bereavement message, they're they're clicking on it and clicking a reply to that individual saying inbox me inbox me, which means, you know, send me a, a direct message. And some people are going to fall for that. And and my my family member who was who's was grieving thought, oh my gosh, what's happening? Is my person's account being hacked? Is my account being hacked? What they, they didn't understand, understandably, what was going on. And I had to like, you know, look into it and kind of investigate, okay, it's this other person's account that got hacked. You you're safe. Your person's account is safe. But this this person got hacked and someone is posting on their behalf. But then the worry is, and you know, you can't you can't worry for everybody else, but it is a worry nonetheless that this this hacker is then messaging these people, or at least trying to get them. It's a social engineering trick. They're trying to get the people who are sending bereavement comments to message them back. And so my my family member did to see what was going on. And the scam artist texted them a link that said, cash me, you know, asking for money. And I'm just, you know, I just get worried thinking, well, what if, you know, the people in a certain age group are thinking, oh, is are they collecting donations for the person who passed away? I mean, it could be, you know, people's minds will go there when they're grieving. You know what I'm saying? So I just think everybody that the PSA is that if you have a Facebook account, it's your duty and your responsibility, even if you're not going to use it to maintain it. Make sure that you have a good password set for it. Make sure that you can log into it. Pay attention to messages that people might be sending you saying you should change your password, your account got hacked, you know, that sort of thing. This this happened to a person who rarely goes and logs on Facebook based on their history. So they probably don't even know that their account has been hacked. They might not even know to care about it, right? And they may have even abandoned the account, who knows, but isn't gonna isn't it gonna be embarrassing if that person does care and if that person does log in, they're gonna get all these messages and find out that here their account was posting on someone else's bereavement wall all of these messages. I mean, I just I would be mortified. If that happened to me, I would be mortified to find out that my account was posting spam messages on someone's bereavement wall. You know what I mean? Yeah. So so then the question is like, well, what do you do about that? What can you do about that? You brought up a good a good question. Well, could they go in and delete it? And the answer is I'm not exactly sure because I would have to log in or, you know, walk the person through it to try to find out where that even, you know, where that feature is. And then again, even if they could, this has probably happened 20 or more times by now. You know what I mean? It might it might continue to happen. Uh you know, are you really going to do the emotional labor? Well, of, of they can delete it. If, if I post something on your page, mm-hmm. whether it's a response to you or to somebody else who posts or just, hey, Melissa, blah, 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 mm-hmm. and you find it inappropriate, 
because I'm posting on your page, you can delete it. Really? I could delete your comment? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but you can't delete my comment if I post on somebody else's page. Right. You know, you can say to that person, I think Elisa's comment was totally inappropriate. I think you should delete it, but you can't. That person would have to. Right. And you'd have to ask the person to delete the comments. And like I said, we're dealing with somebody who's probably of an advanced age, who doesn't know how to use Facebook, who doesn't even know that their account has been hacked. Yeah. So so that's, you know, a problem. It's and all I could say to my to my family member that this happened to was that this is very unfortunate. This is really sad that this happened. There's, you know, you can't control what other people are going to do. I mean, you could message people privately and say, hey, you know, so-and-so's account has been hacked. But I said, honestly, I mean, people that that know how to use Facebook are going to see that and they're going to know, oh, this is a pattern, you know, somebody's account has been hacked, we can just ignore it. But like, what really is the etiquette? You know, it's like, what do you do in that situation? How do you help somebody? How do you teach them how to help themselves? My other question then is, you know, is a memorialized account protected from that kind of activity? I, I don't think know you is. can report it as spam. Let me open mm-hmm. up a Facebook. That's a good point. So yeah, that, that would be something to look so, into. Can you report it as spam? Let me... That begs the question then, though, you know, I spoke to this person about converting. Okay. Okay. I just opened up a Facebook. I just picked on, you know, a a comment that was made on one of my friend's pages. And there's three little dots next to the page, next to the comment. And it says, hide comment, report comment. So if I felt that it was, it was someone being hacked, I can Mm -hmm. report the comment. But what happens to then that person's account? Do they get locked out of it then? I think it depends on if Facebook decides. So I think if you went into your loved one's page where all those inbox me, Mm -hmm. you could could go in and you could report all those comments. Mm -hmm. And then there's choices. Is it hate? Is it spam? And you could just decide if it's spam or, you know, whatever. And then you could, and if you did it enough times, it's possible that Facebook would go, yeah, this is a problem. And they would delete the account. They would delete the comments. Yeah. That's something yeah. you could look into. Yeah, that's definitely an option to explore. And again, like, I don't know who this person is who's, whose account got hacked. I don't know if it's going to cause you know, problems for them. I mean, honestly, if they're not checking their page, if they haven't logged in for months and months and months, and this is happening and they don't know, then they probably don't use their account. And it probably should be reported to Facebook as such for, you know, they're not maintaining the account. And I'm looking at my page. In fact, I'm looking at a comment that you made on my page. Okay. And, uh, and because it's my page, mm-hmm. the options are hide comment, report comment, and delete. Mm-hmm. So again, if it's my page, and I thought that what you, what, what you posted was inappropriate, mm-hmm. I can just delete it as if it was never there. Right. So, so if if those are two options. These are comments on the person who has passed away, though and you don't have their password, and you can't log into their account, then, then you would have to report the comment. Report the comment. Yeah. But if it was your, if it was the loved one's spouse's page, mm-hmm. as long as she could remember her login credentials, she could go in and delete, 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 delete. Right. So that is an option. But again, it's like one of those things where it's a time sensitive thing, because like, I could go and say, well, you could do this, but I really don't want to tell a grieving widow to go in and have to do the emotional labor. You know what I mean? It's like, well, here's an option, but you know, it's not something I would want to push for. You know what I'm saying? It's like, they, I guess it's, it's, they should know what they can do. And then it's up to them to be able to choose when 
is the right timing like when but you know what I mean I'm just I guess I'm just saying this like it's one more thing that a grieving person has to deal with in today's day and age yeah where we're you know we're grieving online we're grieving digitally and I guess it would be the same as like you know somebody came to a funeral and they were drunk and they had to be escorted out you know like I don't know if that happens but I, I imagine it could or somebody that they didn't want there you know for whatever reason it's all a matter of you know etiquette and how do you how do you interact with other people, other beings on this on this plane in a digital sense when you're grieving? Well, yeah. obviously, a scammer doesn't care. A scammer, I mean, how many times have we seen a lot of people, especially down in the South, when my uncle died, you know, a number of years ago, they did not put any information about his funeral mm-hmm. or anything. They just say so-and-so died on such and such a date. Uh, the service or the cemetery was going to be at such and such a cemetery. That's it. Mm-hmm. Only the people that needed to know knew right, when the service was. The problem being, because scammers and and yes. thieves like to go to the house. Like, okay, the right. house is up. I remember when my friend's father died. I want to say it was like the late 80s, I think it was. And I have a thing about cemeteries. I get all creeped mm-hmm. out about that. And I said, <laughs> tell you what I'm going to do. I said, I'm going to stay here at the house while you guys go to the church and you go to the cemetery. I'm going to set up the food. I'll put out the chairs. I'll get everything all set up. I said, and then that way someone is in the house and not, not being left alone just in case, you know, some, that's smart. You know, POS decides to knock on the door and see if anybody's home. I can say, yes, can I help you? And then they would run away. So that's how I took care of that. So it it's it kind of takes a village like you know when someone is grieving whether it's someone having a baby it takes a lot of you know care and you know from friends and a support network to help you out when that it also takes a lot of a friends and support network when someone passes away yeah you know you you need to kind of be you know helped by that and I just think that this whole digital social media thing like ads and we haven't even we haven't even talked about Twitter or any of the other networks I'm just focusing on Facebook because that was my recent experience but you know the social media component the digital footprint of the person who's passed on or even the people that you know are surrounding them maybe it's not maybe the person who passed away didn't even have a social media account you know it's still out there someone has an account and it's another layer that gets added on when someone passes away that there are things that need to be dealt with and it's the question is who who should that task fall upon you know who should help with that task like i I helped out, you know, like you, like you did, you know, your job of staying at the house to make sure that someone was in the house while everybody else went to the cemetery. I wasn't able to attend because I'm, you know, a distance away. I helped in my part by helping the person get it posted to Facebook. And then, you know, was the person to talk to when this happened, you know, like, what, what can I do? What should I do? What's happening? You know, first and foremost, what is happening? Am I safe? You know, it's like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Like, am I safe? Is is my is my you know loved one's account safe? Is my account safe? And I was able to say yes, you are safe. But this person who is you know posting as a scammer, their account is not safe. But that is not necessarily your problem. However, it creates a problem for you because now you have to decide: Do you want to go in and try to 
take the time and the emotional labor to go in and delete all those accounts, you know, as you're trying to read through your bereavement messages. And when does that occur? I mean, you know, it could happen weeks from now. Maybe this person will want to go in and, and like clean that up. I don't know. Maybe hmm. they'll just accept it and say, well, this is what happens. And, you know, all the people in the bereavement wall understand that it was that person that got hacked and, you know, that they're not asking for money. This is just, you know, we accept that this is how it is in the digital age and, and we move on. The other question is then, you know, when is the time to take the deceased person's page and convert it into a memorial page? Because I'm still trying to learn about that. You know, things change over time. I don't know, you know, when you convert it to a memorial page, people can still post, they can still send their condolences, but it protects that account from, you know, nobody else can log into it. But like, what if the spouse still wanted to access it because they wanted to be able to, you know, download pictures or, you know, I mean, it's it's a, it's a married couple, you know, they have access to each other's stuff, right? So then that begs the question is, when is the right, when's the appropriate time? Like, when do you know, when is the right time to convert that person's account to a memorial page? And what kind of protections are you afforded when that happens? Because, you know, converting that the deceased person's page to a memorial page, I don't know if it would have been protected from those spam comments, because people can still make comments. You know yeah. what I mean? So I don't know if that if that was the answer or not, you know, and that would have been way too soon. Right, exactly. So again, it's like, this is a time sensitive thing. It's a very delicate matter. You can't just like be pushy like a bulldozer and say, well, this is what you should do. And you should do it right now. It's kind of like a you have, you have to be sensitive about it. There's so many things that I'm I'm helping people with right now where someone has passed away and these things need to happen. Like, you know, credit card accounts need to be closed out, that sort of thing. But you don't want to push. You know what I mean? It's like it'll happen when they, when they are able. You also have to, to wonder, how did this scammer know that this particular person died? See, and I don't think, yeah, exactly. That that's a question. That's a good question. Like, like, why? is there some way of searching on Facebook for the word death or the word passed away? Or I mean, I don't. Yeah, do those. how much of a human element is? There? I don't like, do those kind of things. I look are for scammers people. out there just trolling and like looking for pages where they're posting, you know, bereavement messages. I mean, is it an AI? It's all kind of creepy. <laughs> Yeah, so I have no Poor idea because like Kevin needs I, to take a I shower don't look now. for words. I look for like people's names, yeah, or maybe yeah. a company's name. If I'm looking to see if, if a company that I'm interested in has a Facebook presence, I'll right. look up the company's name. But I don't look for words like Passed death on, or away, even or died. even beach. You know, like I want to go to a beach. You know, what places have a beach? I, I I don't I don't do that. Yeah, but a robot might. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Mm-hmm. Like how that scammer knew to pick you know, your particular loved one. And we don't even know if that was the target. It could have been that that scammers inboxing anybody that that person's account interacts with. Uh, that's true, form. too. It could you be I mean? anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for any reason. Yeah, I, that could be I'm, true, too. I'm I'm guessing it's probably the latter. I'm guessing I mean, I have seen those kind of posts where account. you're looking, someone's talking about, you know, a movie they just saw, and all these different people are commenting about their thoughts about the movie, then it's often, I can help you make big bucks, yes. but just like, whoa. Exactly. <laughs> 
Exactly. So you and I use social media. We've seen that pattern over and over and over again. And we know to recognize it. Like and we I always joke in our, in our texts, like between you and Kevin, we're like, this looks legit, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so, I mean, that's why I like talking about this stuff, because I think that not enough people are aware of this kind of stuff. Or if they are, they don't know what it looks like or, you know, how to respond to it. And, and we're even here thinking, well, what is the best way to respond to that in this situation? where it's someone who has passed away. You know, that's just a really touchy, delicate thing. And yeah, I hope I did a good job of explaining that because that is really just, it's it's just super, it's creepy, it's personal, it's it's sad, it's frustrating. And yet it is it is what it is. It's kind of a, a fact of life nowadays that we have to accept or not accept. Again, if you don't accept that, you know, there are these things that happen on social media, then, you know, close out your account, deactivate it, do the responsible thing and close out your account or deactivate it or maintain it. But but do something. And I just wonder how much social media is going to is going to become littered. And, you know, interestingly, too, is I, I did start doing a little bit of digging of like, OK, well, how how do we move on as far as like when it's when it's when the time is right, when this person is feeling um, you know, through their grief process, are they when are they ready to convert this person's account into a memorial page? Then what is the next step? What happens? And I started looking into it, and it did say something to the effect on you know in the Facebook's like user guide or whatever that if Facebook detects that an account it belongs to a person who has passed away, they will automatically convert it to a memorial page. But if you want to submit it yourself, the message message was like, in part, like, we're so busy, we're understaffed, and we'll get around to it whenever we can. That was kind of like what I got from that. Not in those exact words. But yeah. it was like, it was like, it said in some kind of message, like, you know, you can report it, and, and we'll we'll get to it when we get to it. But know that, you know, due to COVID-19, it's always like, due to COVID-19, you know, we're, we're understaffed. And, you know, only so many people are, are allotted to work on this kind of a thing. So, you don't know. I mean, it, there could be accounts like I know I have, you know, people in my family and friends that have passed away and their account is still active. And I do wonder like, oh, my gosh, what if somebody like goes and steals their identity because their family, their friends, you know, somebody wasn't able to to help them out with that. I and mean, I'm sure there's, you know, millions. <laughs> that's that's the scary part. There's millions of accounts out there that belong to a deceased person. Well, what, what I did for my aunt right after my uncle died is she had a page and he had a page. Mm-hmm. I converted his page to hers. Oh, interesting. Yeah, we just changed the name to his. We changed, oh, okay. That's interesting we changed it from his name to her name. And then okay. we just changed the password so that she could remember. And they didn't ask you to like identify yourself or anything like that? Nope. Interesting. You know, if so have- instead, of, instead of being Bob, now it's Mary. You know, mm-hmm. and instead of the password being ABC, now it's one, two, three. So, and so okay. now that meant what that meant was now my aunt had two pages. Oh. But I said to her, let's get rid of this page. Okay. But we didn't get rid of it totally because there's still stuff on there. I said, but this is going to be you your. It? Nope, it's still there. But I said, this is your secondary page. So if you ever need mm-hmm. to get to it, it's there. So now but she has here's two the pages she has to wrangle, though, right? She only does the one. And she doesn't mm-hmm. really go on very often anymore at her age. Mm-hmm. See, she, that's what I'm afraid of, though. That could happen to her. She could, she could get hacked, and then it could be posting spam messages on her behalf. Yeah, I would see it because she doesn't have a yeah. lot of. You know, she's got a decent number of friends. See, and see, you're her custodian, then. Like you're kind of yeah. her social media custodian in a way. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, so I keep an eye on her. Right. So see, that's what I'm saying is like, as a community, we should be looking out for each other. You know, I think it's our duty as as digital citizens to tell each other, your page has been hacked, or you know, you should change your password, or so and so is making comments, are you aware of that? Here's what you can do about it. Have you considered maybe doing this? You know, those sorts of things. So it's a delicate situation. Um, like I said, I, I hope that I that I shed some light on it. There's still a lot of questions to be answered. It's good to talk about it. And maybe somebody else, you know, if listeners have have this experience that they can chime in, um, if they have some ideas about it, maybe you've gone through, see, I haven't gone through the whole process of, of, of memorializing someone's page. I haven't had the need to do that. Um, I did get a message recently, like we talked about pre-show, that I need to update my, my trusted contact list. So that's something to do. You know, I, I, I saw that happen to a client of mine who, you know, years and years ago this happened. And I don't even know, you know, they, they moved away and I, I lost touch with them. But um, they had trusted contacts that were nobody that they knew. <laughs> I mean, and that could have been something where they got hacked. I don't know. I mean, luckily, again, they didn't use their page. It wasn't something that mattered to them. But now that page is out there floating around. They can't access it. And it's probably going to get you know, spam. So all we can do on the other end is like you said, report it as spam. And then hopefully, if it's if it is something where someone has just lost touch with it, and they just don't bother with the account anymore, hopefully there will be some kind of like a Facebook, you know, cleanup crew that will kind of come in and like, you know, clean up an account like that. So yeah, whether maybe it's gonna happen, I don't know. You know, you, you have an email on file, they can send an email, you know, we haven't seen activity on your page in, you know, 24 months, if you do not let us know that you want to keep this page within, you know, by such and such a date, we are going to close your account. Yes, yeah, and I've never seen anything in that maybe it's buried. No, in the, in the terms I've never seen that. But that would be nice if yeah. they did something like that. Google because that. Yeah, because I've got an email uh, from a cloud service that I used to use. It just mm -hmm. said we are closing as of this date. If you want your data, mm -hmm. make sure you get it. I'm just getting emails once a week. Then I was getting them every day until the day said they said, okay, today's the day. You better have your stuff out today or it's going to be dust. And then- You know what though? That can turn and scammy real quick too, because I get that from PhotoBucket all the time. I had a PhotoBucket account years ago. I can't even log into it anymore. Like I tried some time ago and I thought, I wonder- if this is scam, because they keep sending the same notice, we're going to delete your account, we're going to delete your account. But it's been like over a year, and they haven't deleted the account, like just delete it already. Yeah, <laughs> you say you're going to do it, just do it. So and then I have to wonder, is this the new car warranty phone call scam thing? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> well, I know mine was legit. Like I that. know my my cloud service okay. one was legit. It was yeah, yeah, it was a it was a NAS that I was using. And okay, uh, so that's, that's that I legit, hadn't used but... in a while. So I knew that was legit. And I kept ignoring them because mm -hmm. I didn't have any data in the cloud. I had it already. So I wasn't worried about it. But okay. they just kept, you know, make sure you take it, make sure you take it. Yeah. But if, if Facebook did something like that, with and, and Twitter also with with accounts that have not posted because sometimes you'll look at a you'll look at an account maybe maybe they posted something and you'll see the last time they posted after before today was two years ago it's like yeah. why are you posting again all of a sudden and you posted yeah. once yeah. or you might look at somebody and go gee the last time they posted was 2014 yeah okay yeah. goodbye you know so you have no idea are they lurkers they just look mm -hmm. at Twitter same with Facebook mm -hmm. I know people who are still on Facebook they don't post. 
Mm-hmm. The only time yeah, you see I, them post kind of going that way. I, I post just seldom now. Yeah, the only time you see them post is when they wish somebody possibly wish somebody a happy birthday, or they'll say thanks for the birthday wishes. But otherwise, mm-hmm. they don't post anything. I mean, not right. even. And, see, and I think like, that's perfectly fine. It's a perfect. So you fine look at it and you go, "Gee, I wonder if that person is still active on Facebook." So for all I know, right. they could check in every day and they just look and they mm-hmm. go, "Okay." Here's an update on this person. Here's an update on that person. Okay, I'm good. See you tomorrow. See, and I think that's a perfectly fine use of social media. In fact, I've told some of my clients who they don't want to post, but they really are curious about social media and they want to see. Like, it's their only way sometimes. And that's what's sad. I mean, it's like it's like the new AOL. It's like it is the internet for some people. It really, really is the whole internet for some people. And it's the only way that they are in touch with some of their family members. Like I said, it's sad, but it's just how it is and you either accept it or you don't and some people have accepted that this is if they're going to see pictures of great grandchildren or grandchildren and your nieces and nephews that this is what they have to do and they're willing to go in and just be an observer and i tell them that's fine but be responsible for it you know keep a good don't use the same password everywhere using a unique password but see now face this is the thing that frustrates me though is facebook has added these layers of complexity that are quote unquote I'm using big air quotes here for our own good like things like trusted contacts or legacy contacts or you know for lack of a better term some kind of like a kill switch like you know i have mine set up that you know if i pass away like these are my wishes like this is what i want done with my facebook account but i mean not everybody knows that that's even something that you can you know communicate convey to somebody and you have to pick out you know who are your trusted contacts like i mean of course i trust my husband but like we just discussed he's a bit of a technophobe too like what if he doesn't know what to do well then i would say hey you know go ask elisa or go ask this person or you know maybe i should trust that to my little brother or something yeah it also goes back to one password Mm -hmm. because all Mm -hmm. of this is in one password so with the family account my husband and my middle son are on the family account so if anything happened Shane would know to log in. He he has the password to my master account. Right. Mm-hmm. So he could go in and he could see my Facebook password. Right. So exactly. he could go in and do whatever needed to be done. Yes, that's a great point. It definitely goes back to digital digital estate management, using a password manager. It doesn't have to be one password, but one, one password yeah, is what we like. Yeah, using some sort of password manager. But put it in there. And if it's not a family account, give it to someone that you trust. Here's the master Mm -hmm. password to my password manager. And in there, you will find my credit card numbers, my bank account, my passwords to my cable company and blah, 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 blah. Anything that you're going to need Mm -hmm. is going to be in that database. I actually have like I put an emoji so that it floats up to the top. I have it set to show characters and numbers first in the settings. I don't know if you know, you can do that in the settings, you can change it. And so there's like a little star emoji. So it's like, read this first. Like if if I've died and you log into my one password, this is for my kids, my husband, that there's, you know, digital executor instructions for, you know, what to do. Like I've started and that's a living kind of breathing document, if you will, that I keep updating, you know, when every time I think of something, oh, by the way, yeah, 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 do this with my domain. And, <laughs> you know, it's just, I know it's, it's, a, it's such a, it's such a, a hard topic to discuss, but it's so necessary. It is, it's so unfortunately. Necessary. It's, it's very important. So hope we didn't uh, become too much of a bummer. Um, I hope that it's interesting to you. And, you know, I, it is something that I'm learning about, especially in my line of work and with my clientele and, you know, my family members. It's something that is very near and dear to my heart. 
So, Melissa, if people want to get in touch with us to tell us what their favorite Apple Plus, uh, Apple Fitness Plus workout is, or if they have digital legacy um, contacts set up, how would they get a hold of us? Well, we have a variety of ways. You could uh, do the simple thing and email us. That's podcast at geekiestshowever.com. We're also on Twitter at geekiestshow. And you can go to our website, geekishowever.com, and you can click on the contact button and send us an email that way. That would be great. And if you want to reach us on Twitter, we can be found at, um, at Geekiest Show. I can be found at Elisa Paselli one Melissa is at the Mac Mommy, or you can go to her website, themacmommy.com, for all things Melissa. That'll be me. That'll be you. So we want to thank all of you for listening. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. And until then, please stay safe.